0: left my broadsword at home.
1: Okay. <laughs> Hello interwebs, Rebs and welcome to Close-Up. I'm your co-host Joe. And I'm Ryan. Today we launch a new type of close-up episode. In this subseries of the podcast, which right now we're calling either Ryan Explains or Joe Explains. Ryan and I are both entertainment nerds, but there's a lot of spectacular media we simply haven't watched, whether due to lack of time, means, or interest. Or all. Or all. The goal of Explains is, essentially, for Ryan and myself to sell each other on entertainment we'd never seen before. In this first installment, Ryan explains Game of Thrones to me, someone who's never watched it, somehow. From this extreme long shot, we zoom into our medium shot. So, Ryan, tell me about your personal history with Game of Thrones. How did you come to watch it? How long have you been a fan? Maybe hold off on the reasons why you liked it, though.
2: Save those for your pitch. Well, Joe, have you ever, let's put in the mindset, you're around high school, you know, maybe middle school, maybe, depending on how old you are. You're just, you're spending some time with your family on a Sunday evening, and they go, hey, you want to watch this new show? I heard it's been pretty good so far. And you're kind of like, oh, uh, whatever, yeah, what is this, Game of Thrones? And then you watch it, and you're like, oh, this is peak television for the time. It is. Okay. So, we watched the first season. Stuff happens. Fans know what it is. I can't spoil it for Chill cuz he hasn't watched any of it. Not a single episode, people. Not a single episode, but big events happen. All I will say is Sean Bean is in it, and he does a phenomenal role. I can take a guess what happens to him. Oh, no, you shouldn't. Anyway. Okay. But instantly, we fell in love with it because not only is the Writing excellent, but it's also in a fantasy world, which I love. I grew up watching Lord of the Rings with my brother. So instantly, we loved it. We were interested from the first episode because of the characters, because of the actors, and all that jazz. And throughout the years, through middle school and high school, as the seasons came out, we got excited each year. And then I went to college, and not only did college disappoint me, but then the final years of Game of Thrones disappointed me as well. However, That should not stop you from watching the first thirds. I'm going to say first thirds. You know what? First seven seasons. I like the seventh season. All right. And you can come at me if you want. Sounds controversial. It's controversial. You should still watch it because there are some fantastic moments in it. And that is why.
1: Okay, so a bit about my. History with Game of Thrones. I obviously have no relationship to Game of Thrones, hence this episode but I'll tell you some of my preconceived notions and admit how, how likely I am to give this series a shot after your pitch. So fantasy is a genre which barely appeals to me. I'm a big lover of sci-fi. I will watch almost anything science-based, but most fantasy to me is dull and repetitive. Dragons, magic, monsters, vaguely medieval kingdoms, blah, blah, blah. Nearly seems to me like Tolkien set the bar so high, almost- I'm offended. Almost all fantasy stories have been aping him for a century, most without adding anything substantial. Even Star Wars, a space fantasy series, which I love, hits most of those genre tropes, to be honest. It's just got a unique setting pretty well. I appreciate any good story well told in any genre, but I often think twice before picking up fantasy for the aforementioned reasons. And Game of Thrones in particular seem to me. Okay, George R.R. Martin's stories did try to reinvent the genre somewhat, so that's cool, but not in a way I care for. He just added more gratuitous sex, violence, carnage, and random death. None of these things inherently interest me in real life or my stories, so Game of Thrones to me seemed like the same old fantasy stuff, except it had more depressing real-life elements in there too. But I've heard great things about the show for the better part of a decade. I've always been curious about it, and I would watch it. Oh yeah. I've also been put off in recent years from starting because I've heard the ending is so bad it almost ruins the entire show in retrospect. So that's a fantastic selling point. And now we're into a close-up. So, Ryan, you can address some of my concerns if you'd like, but I prefer you just go off about what you love about Game of Thrones. Go as long as your heart can take it. And when you're done, I'll have some questions for you. Some of them are probably stupid, uh, even if
2: you... (laughs) I've, I've seen them yeah welcome to my ted talk do you like swords and shields do you like castles do you like lords and ladies do you like half naked men and women then this show is for you do you like dragons do you like fire do you like dark magic do you like horse people do you like jason momoa then this show is for you game of thrones is by far at the time had the best dialogue, best written storylines, because it subverted your expectations in a way that they wrote twists into the story that you never saw coming in ways that made sense. There's something that happens in the first episode. Not first episode, in the first season. I'm not going to say who, but there is a character death, that you did not see coming. And it changes the entire show. From start to
0: finish. Okay. And. I was going to say something else. Now I can't remember. To your point where.
2: The last season almost ruins the entire show. Have you ever. Eaten a Thanksgiving dinner.
0: Once or twice. And, you're,
2: and you've. You you got you got the turkey, you know you got the mashed potatoes, you got the cranberry, you got the stuffing. You you get so full, and it gets you get to the pie. It's an okay pie, but you don't really want to eat it. Is it pumpkin pie? If it's pumpkin pie, I refuse. And for in this instant, it's pumpkin pie. Ugh. Right. So you don't eat the pumpkin pie, right? But are you gonna say you had a are you gonna say you had a bad dinner? Depends
1: how bad the pumpkin pie was. But if you did. Maybe I was already full on all the good stuff, and the pumpkin pie was that one bite too much made me sick. And then it just clouded my whole judgment about the rest of the dinner in retrospect. Well, this backfired.
2: <laughs> I did not see this coming. You're
1: not just going off my bit. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. No, yes. The pie <laughs> was fantastic, or even if it was bad, the dinner was good. <laughs> exactly. If the pie wasn't that good, I enjoyed it while I was eating it. There, there we go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, um, the reason why I love this show so much, especially the first few seasons, is because most of the dialogue and most of the storylines are ripped straight from the books. You can tell if you, if you compare lines from the show to lines in the books, they're very similar. George R. R. Martin's just dialogue and the way he Creates these characters, and how they speak, and the individuality between each of them is so great. There's one character I kind of want to go into. His name is Peter Baelish. He has the nickname Littlefinger. They never explain the show why he's named Littlefinger, so yeah, I don't I know. Like I, I couldn't tell you. He's, based, he's one of the top lords that helps run the Seven Kingdoms. He's not the king, but he's, one, he's a few levels under. Okay. And he ba- he's a master manipulator, and some of the dialogue that he says uh, are amazing. There's one where it says, chaos isn't a pit, chaos is a ladder, where you try to climb it, there's that whole speech. He kind of gets, as everybody does, gets worse off as the season go. However... <laughs> I'm trying to defend it the best I can. This is, I know this is a challenge. You're not on defense yet. I'm on defense. You're just saying, am, what,
1: what do you like about Game of Thrones? That's what this is all about. I love it. You're just raving. You'll def- dragons, swords. You'll defend when I start attacking, okay?
2: Dragons, <laughs> swords, boobs. That's what this show is all about. And I will say, the, the naked people gets less egregious as the seasons go on. Because this was around a time, again, this show premiered in 2010, where it wasn't really that big of a deal. And then, as seasons go on, People understood more like, we don't really need to see people having sex on screen. I feel like that's not entirely it's, true, though. I f- it's not entirely. It's not entirely true. I feel like in 2010, it was
1: a big deal to see gratuitous sex on TV. And then people and then people were kind of like, yeah, but do we need to? But like back in 2010, that was still novel.
2: Yeah, it was still. Yeah, maybe it was just maybe it was just starting.
1: I feel like shows weren't really doing that too much.
2: It's also HBO. They don't give a fuck.
1: Oh, yeah, HBO's been doing that They
2: for the really don't care. HBO's great. We love them. And the reason we're talking about this is because of the new prequel show that's coming out in August, which looks okay. I'm not entirely too excited because it's set 300 years or something beforehand, and it's like, that's not what I wanted. I wanted Robert's Rebellion, which they talk about a lot in the first season, and it's such a great storyline, and I wish I could tell it all to you in, a, in an hour, but I can't because i know matt smith's in it and that's literally all i know about matt that Smith? people show then 10th doctor 11th fuck 10th is david Tennant, isn't it
1: yeah shit <laughs> we're gonna do doctor who on another you won't convince me on that one i dare you <laughs> oh that, that one's gonna be fun if you're so dead set against it already, that one's gonna be fun.
2: No, I've seen clips of the them two separately and then both of them together in their one episode. And I think Day it's, of the Doctor. it is brilliant.
0: Game of Thrones. Love,
2: what else do I love about Game of Thrones and not about Doctor Who? Try to keep your mind out of that last season.
1: Go back to the glory days of high school the, and like yes. <laughs> like you were saying, you know,
2: put yourself back in that Ryan's headspace. Personally, for me, why I love Game of Thrones so much is just because of the acting. It's one of the main parts in how each actor uses their motives and, their, and the dialogue that they're given and just makes their char- character them. There's Peter Dinklage. He has an amazing speech in season four. Richard Madden's in it. Sean Bean, who we mentioned macy williams sophie turner you know they're just they're literally children at the beginning of this show and then they grow up to be adults so just to see that journey is insane and the acting is just amazing even in the last few seasons like they work with what they get and they're all they're all professionals they're all great kit harrington's amazing in it amelia clark oh my gosh not only is she stunning let's be honest here she's a she's a good-looking woman but also she's just a powerful actress who just commands the screen every time she's on there. So and that's why I love it. It's just the drama between the characters, you know. Even though the first few seasons there's a lack of action, but you get that with budgets and stuff. And wasn't Game of Thrones up to like two million dollars an episode or something crazy by the end? By the end it was, because with season six episodes Called Battle of the Bastards. They went over budget. Oh. And people love that episode so much. It's one of my favorites. Because it's one of the most. Not realistic. But one of the most. Just violent. Medieval battles that you kind of see.
1: Okay.
2: For the time for TV. It was, it's almost shot like it's a movie. And like this is a TV show. I which is insane to think about. There's one beautiful shot. I wish I could tell you about, but I can't, because it's spoilers, and you need to watch it all with a fresh head. That's basically why I love it. The acting, the dialogue, the drama, the dragons, swords, Amelia Clark. Anyway, what were your questions? And I will try to answer them as serious as you have asked them seriously. Okay. So I guess my first rebuttal to what
1: you were saying is, well, not that this is a debate, that's a different kind of uh, close-up episode, but. So my first thing is when you mentioned subverting expectations. Now, mm-hmm. I know as a as a film fan, I want my expectations subverted. But I also have that
2: bad taste of Last Jedi marketing in my mouth. We're uh-huh. subverting expectations. Or Halo 5 marketing for all those Xbox fans out there. You know what I'm talking about. Where it's
1: like. Last Jedi pretty much single handedly taught me that doing the unexpected wasn't always necessarily doing the good thing or the thing that made sense. For the story i'm like yeah i was surprised i wasn't happy about it
2: <laughs> like, isn't it weird how like when you first watch last jedi you're like actually that was kind of good but each time you watch it you find something new to hate that's basically my rewatches every time i see it i think i told you the other week but for me
1: it was delayed reaction i'm like yeah i love this and then everybody else i know hated it even even my brother who loves every star wars media ever even i'm like oh he'll like it i didn't go to see it with him but then i Mm. saw him later that night and he was like couldn't even say a word (laughs) i'm like oh no not even you liked
2: it space leia she's space jesus that was the part the one time when i when i first watched it that was the one part i was like no (laughs) no (laughs) no ryan johnson bad you did a bad thing and you should be Put in time out. You should not make, you shouldn't make Knives Out too.
1: <laughs> His Knives Out was good.
2: I like Knives Out. Yeah, it was pretty good. We're not talking about The Last Jedi. That could take up a whole episode. I know. We love Star Wars. So, I'm sorry, everyone. You thought we weren't going to talk about Star Wars every episode? We are. Okay. All right? Get used to it. Basically,
1: do we mention Star Wars in our Marvel one? I don't remember. We might have okay (laughs) so subverting expectations okay so would would you say they on the spectrum of subverting expectations from hey that's actually a really good twist to yeah okay i was surprised but like does this show usually end up on the right side of that or the wrong Mm -hmm. side Usually it does. Oh, Sorry, the right side or the Ryan Johnson side? Okay, no, that's too, they're too far. That's a little <laughs> no, too far.
2: Sorry, Ryan so, Johnson. Here's, I'll pull here's, it back. I'll pull it back. Here's how I think most of my answers are going to go. It's going to go, yes, except for the last season. That's how I think most of my answers are going to go. There was a lot of shock value in the first few, especially the first three seasons. But they are. Set up well, very subtly, and it's not just, it's not, it is for the sake of shocking you, but it's in a way where in the, in the world that we're in, it makes sense. Like the character death, who I will name, nameless, but from context clues you could probably get, it is set up pretty well, and the character's decisions to kill that character, you understand. theirs. don't look it up. There. I'm, I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm, just, I'm just
1: I'm making some notes for anything you're saying that's convincing me I'm putting down so I can right.
2: recap in the There's a major thing that happens in season three where if you go back and watch season three, knowing what happens, you can see the context clues that happened. There is some shock value things that aren't set up well in the early seasons. Like there's a well, I shouldn't say it isn't set up well, but just aren't set up. There's a trial by combat in season four and something shocking happens there. But you're not just like, oh, this is, this is just shocking for it to be the sake of shocking. This is just like, oh, this has actual effects on the rest of the, the show and this certain character that everybody loves. Again, there is some things that happen in season eight. We can all, I can talk about later about why season eight is a failure. Mm-hmm. In my mind, that could be a whole different episode. It could be at the end here. That's just... That's... I'd like to hear it if you can, you know, refrain. I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably do that at the end.
1: Like, if you can skirt around it, because, you know... Yeah, because I am trying to sell you this. The whole I point
2: want... is I want to get as much information about this show as I can without, like, I actually just want... getting spoiled. Yeah, I just want you to watch this show just so you can be as mad as it with me. That's all. I need someone else, because my friends, are Some of them have watched it, some of them haven't, and I want them to be as mad as I am. But basically, the shock value, I would say most of the time is set up well, and it's not for the sake of shocking you. It is, and there are consequences for it. It's not a sequel trilogy mishap where something happens in the last movie but isn't really talked about in Return of Skywalker. Or Rise of Skywalker. Whatever so there's it's a, called. There's, there's a lot of, of R's. Okay? We locked, there's a we lot locked of it out.
0: And that's basically it, yeah. I would say most of the time it
2: is written very well. Again, every, <laughs> every example I could give you is a spoiler, and I'm not going to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that pretty and much e- answers.
2: Even with some of, even with some of the, the weaker shock value stuff even later seasons, you can kind of make the argument where it does still have effects on the show later on with the last few episodes, even though it's not really set up properly, it's just bam, something happens. However it's still it still has effects on the world afterwards, so that's still good at least. Okay,
1: so that pretty much answers my first question, which was is the sex, violence and shock content as gratuitous and unnecessary as I think it is? which you were talking more about the violence and the shock con about the shock content, yeah. but is, is the sex and the violence as gratuitous as I think it is or is it
2: well here's the thing <laughs> looking at again growing up as a a kid and you're you know you're developing let's
1: put it So say you started in late elementary school or... yeah, yeah yeah yeah
2: you're you're de- developing a little bit and Early grade seven grade six or seven i don't know i don't know when i started watching the show it could have been grade eight yeah and you saw it's awkward to watch sex scenes with your parents i think we can all acknowledge that 100 no, um, percent. no contest and for i will say one of the things that does get better later on in the season is that they tone down the sex a lot. There is... I think it's, mo- it's mostly in season one where... There's a bunch of sex. There's literally... The, again, Peter Baelish, he, he talks about his entire backstory where two women, or two two women... She, he is talk. Let me say that again. Take two. Peter Baelish is talking to two women... Who are going at it with each other. They're basically having sex on screen. And he's talking about his whole backstory. Which I think the writers called sex sexibi- exhibition Instead of... Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. I would say, now watching it now, in 2022, there is some times where you're just kind of like, okay, let's let's get past it. A lot of the first season, it's like, there's just a lot of sex, but you kind of understand it in terms of what's happening in the world right now. It's kind of in peace times, everybody's bored or whatever. They're just banning and whatnot. And it's not like every scene someone's having sex. It might be every episode, but it's not every scene. So there is, and there is sometimes where it is a little graphic. So I would say it's a little excessive at first, but as the seasons go on, it gets much better. Like Amelia Clark, she gets topless a lot in the first few seasons. And I think she stood her ground after maybe season five. And she was like, I won't appear. I don't want to appear naked after that. I think it's like, why? I th- just cause I, I believe- I, I, not
1: for her, not for her. I just yeah, mean, yeah. like from her perspective, like, yeah, why, I am, think I, she like, why would... am I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Is this actually, what's the artistic she reason does... behind this? Is it just, to show me off like a statue or you know there is one objectifying me so. yeah
2: there there is a few times i think she was feeling objectified i don't want to put words in her mouth yeah there is one time she did say she didn't want to appear naked ever again and then she does appear fully nude in season five season five i believe no season six but that's because it fit this it made sense in terms of the story and a callback yeah
1: I just feel like those scenes are usually objectifying. So most of the, most of the time, yeah. It's like we were talking about in the Batman, like with the male gaze and whatnot. If there's a man and a woman both naked in the same scene, you can probably guess that the, the, the camera's woman. focusing yeah. more on the women. Yeah. And like, yeah, maybe if it was pretty even 50-50, like, okay, if we're objectifying the men too, it's like, okay, well, yeah, obviously nobody should, mm-hmm. should be objectified, but at least if it was 50-50, it would be like, yeah okay like you know everybody's that's the
2: everybody's going through it but uh, it's pretty one-sided yeah that's the one part in terms of just i think the sex in game of thrones is gratuitous at some parts but it does get better later on i will say there is full frontal in every season <laughs> like there's not one season where someone isn't naked so there is that and i don't it's hard for me to say if a certain sex scene fits the story well, like I think there are some parts where you can shoot a sex scene but not show anything. But maybe because it's just like, maybe you just don't care, or I don't know. It's, a, it's very political. It's a huge political topic that is hard to get into, but I would say that's the one thing that I think is a bit too much from rewatching it. Yeah, I mean, you
1: don't, I feel like when it comes to sex in particular, I think there is a line. Because if you're just like, if two people are naked in bed having conversations, it's like, okay, this is a setting. You can guess what happened and the story is progressing. But if you're just watching a sex scene, what's separating a TV show episode from porn at that point? I'm like, it's just Mm -hmm. taking up. Yeah, I guess it's technically an action scene, but is it really moving the plot along? Yeah. Is it really anything meaningful to have to see this happen?
2: Yeah. Not, not to get too dark but there was a movie years ago. It was called Lovely Bones. It's, based, of off, it's based off a book. Sir Ronan's in it, Mark Wahlberg and Stanley Tucci. Okay. Stanley Tucci kills Sir Ronan, who is like a little girl at that point. I think it's like 2007. Mm-hmm. And there was, in the book, like he's a murderer and a, a raper. Like, yeah. And there was, there was talk of and Stanley Tucci was like, I refuse to film that. So basically what happens is like, it just shows him grabbing her and then it cuts away. I think that's even as dark as showing anything just because...
1: That goes back to the classic horror principles of... Sometimes it's scarier to let your imagination do the work yeah, for you exactly. than to actually show it.
2: And if you watch the scene, you see the, the tension that's built up from how he... Stanley is so underrated. He's an underrated actor.
1: Uh, just his face to be honest
2: Yeah. have you seen easy a no Uh, I'm just gonna look him him up up. just
1: to see his face He's like
2: almost every movie but you know exactly he's the doctor in Captain America
1: oh oh, is that who he is yeah yeah oh yeah Um, yeah yeah. yeah,
2: there's that where I think if if you have it it's just tough because like maybe if you're comfortable with doing it then yeah shoot the certain scene But if your actor's like, no, then find a way around to do like they did in Lovely Bones where like you build up tension and then you just cut away and then you let the audience's imagination go wild. Because that is, to me, that's way more, I feel like my mind is way more messed up than what can be put on screen. I don't know what that says about me. I don't know if I need to go to therapy. Maybe I do, but who cares? I refuse. I don't have the money. (laughs) I don't have the time. That's that's ideally all people should be in
1: therapy at some if even just to prevent problems. But for sure. But yeah, I agree. I think most people have more messed up imaginations. Well, maybe maybe I'm overgeneralizing, but I think I do. But yeah, but then again, I'm a creative type. I'm a writer. I'm yeah, exactly. I do
2: do this stuff. So I have to think crazy. Yeah, you have to think messed up and then cut them out. Yeah, that's what you do in your in your first script you're ever writing. You write as much as you can for the story that you want to tell. And then what they call it, they say, kill your darlings. Kill the things you love in order to fit the story well. It could be a scene that you're really into, but does it really fit the story well? And you just might have to cut that out completely. It sucks, but it will fit the story well altogether. Back to Game of Thrones. Most of the sex scenes don't really fit the story too well. I think it was just more so to get viewers drawn into the show at the time again it was around 2010 this stuff was kind of normalized but still kind of a little iffy but yeah that's basically it it's gratuitous but it gets less gratuitous as it goes on
0: i just wanted to say i think the thing
1: is it's like i was saying before about I feel like it was normalized in just general entertainment. But in fantasy, I feel like that was it was pretty new for fantasy of any type because fantasy yeah. is, you know, you're thinking more like you're like you're Tolkien, you're Lord of the Rings. It's like it's usually more family friendly. It's like fairy tale stuff for children, usually. And Game of Thrones was like, oh, we're going to have sex and blood and violence. And it's like, no, this is fantasy. But for adults now, which was novel in 2010, I think
2: mm-hmm, for sure. And I don't think I talked about the violence that much. I would say the violence is not as bad as I would. St- Maybe just because I'm just like
1: I'm desensitized kinda, to violence yeah, at this I'm point. I'm
2: desensitized to it at this point. But I guess for someone who like doesn't watch a lot of violence, it's a bit gratuitous. But like, it's also this is this is what would happen in medieval times. Like, this is how someone would die in this way. And also, it's a TV show, so the fact that they're able to do this is... It's not TV. It's HBO. It's, not, it's HBO. Home... Was it Home Box Office? Is that what it is?
0: That sounds
1: familiar.
2: Let me look I, it up. I, I'm too lazy to look it up. I'm already on it. But that's basically it. That I feel like the violence is... I'm numb to it, so I, w- I wouldn't let my kid watch it till... The time I would have
0: watched it, but I would say it serves a purpose still. Home box office. Okay. So.
1: What's your next question? All right. Your Honor? Why should I get invested in these characters if anyone can be killed off at any time for any reason? Why shouldn't you?
0: Fair enough. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a great question. Well, it's funny you say that because there was one of my favorite characters ever during the show. He did get killed off. But that doesn't really come into play until the end of the first season with the major character death. Because you're like, oh, anyone can die. So that's what glues you in to the, to the show is because of... You're worried about the decisions some of these characters will make, if it's physical, if it's mental, if it's strategic. You you don't want to see characters die, but you kind of also do for the cuz a lot of characters make major mistakes and they pay for them. That's the whole thing with the show is that it allows characters to be stupid and then pay for them. So that that's basically it is you're there to see the drama even if it's mostly the bad guys winning at some parts you want to see how you want to see the fall before you see the rise of the people who can avenge the the people who died that's why i watch it
1: so you can arguably say cuz from to me a lot the mostly of the reason i watch tv is to get invested in a core set of characters who i'm following pretty mm-hmm. much all the way through you treat them like a family pretty well by the end in your own mind, because you've seen them for who knows how many hours over the run of an entire TV show. And that's mostly what I'm worried about going into something like game of Thrones, because I think, well, is this the cut? Do I want to be anxious the whole time for everybody? But I also get what you're saying in that sometimes regular TV can get frustrating like that because you know most of the main cast is gonna make it out no matter how stupid yeah situation they get themselves in
2: i think that's what made game of thrones so popular is because at the time nobody like every main character was safe on every show but this was the one where you're like oh my god people could die and i will say this is uh, i don't know if i want to say this there are some characters that should have died later on and didn't because how it's written is different from the books or whatever there's it gets less of killing off main characters after, like, season four-ish.
1: Okay, so basically what you're saying is it it started off as a groundbreaking show for being able to kill off any main character, and then it got a bit more... Well, with its popularity, people got too invested, and then they started getting more conventional because it was going to hurt their bottom line if they started killing off people. Even if that was the story as originally told in the books... They had to be more like other TV later. Just a so, little, even yeah. just a little
2: more. I think so somewhat. I don't think there's any main character deaths on screen that haven't happened that, well, again, we don't have the last two books for Game of Thrones yet. For the, sorry, Son of Ice and Fire series yet, so we don't know what George R. R. Martin is thinking. People have been waiting for that, so we don't know that for sure but i i do have a feeling that there are some especially near the near the end there is a a few major character deaths that probably should have happened or happened in a different way
1: i'm gonna throw out a conspiracy theory what if george rr R. martin was just waiting for the show to end so that when everyone got outraged that is exactly my thought he could say this is what i'm not gonna do
2: i let the last few seasons play out and uh now i that was my th- Thought initially, but there have been like interviews where he's kind of shaded at David Benioff and DB Weiss, the creators of the show, mm-hmm. for the last few seasons. Because what, what he did, if I remember correctly, and this is public knowledge, is that he gave them a template of the main stuff that needs to happen. Okay. For the last three seasons or the last whatever, what happens after the books. But how they get there it was left up to the creators, and George R. R. Martin said, for the whole story to be said, it, there should be ten seasons, and there was only eight, and the last two seasons were cut in ha- basically half of one Shorten. season. Okay. So th- there's all that. I'm not doing great selling this, am I? <laughs> we'll see <laughs> you at doing, the end. We'll see. You at <laughs> I'm the doing end. my best. So it's. I had a point.
0: The Well, I guess that is
1: another question. How well did they do it following that template then? Whatever's public knowledge. Mm. I don't know how much of this is public knowledge by now, but if George R. R. Martin gave the create the showrunners a template, how well did they follow that template? Exactly.
2: We don't know. We have no idea. Still don't
1: know? Okay.
2: Not public knowledge yet? Not public knowledge yet. That hasn't been shared. I think that won't be shared till he's done Whatever this prequel series is, because he's show running that as well. And then he's doing the books, which he's taking forever on. And let's be honest, he's getting up there in age and people are just worried. Yeah. So that's what they're worried about. But again, he's ever since the show came out, he's had so less time to write these books. And these are like a thousand page books that he writes. So I don't blame him for not finishing them earlier. But what's your next question, Joe?
1: I'm going to skip ahead a few questions and say, just branching off that point, should they have even continued the show past the books, you think?
2: That's a great.
1: Yeah, that's a monetarily. Obviously, they weren't going to mm. wait the better part of well, I don't know how long it has been since the last book. But yeah, of course, they were going to continue the seasons, I think, because mm. yeah, I think the
2: show's big. I think I'm going to answer that question. In a way that doesn't answer that question. I'm be very okay. political here. But it's going to make sense, so stay with me. Sure. I think the problem with the show is not that they wrote it past the books coming out. There's, I think there's been some... I can't think of any that come to... I think the Harry Potter movies did that with the last one, maybe? Like, definitely Hollow wasn't out until... Mm. Or me I don't.
1: No, I think I think all the Harry Potter books were, were they out, all but out but they just put the last one into two parts because it was such a right. big book? I think the
2: main problem with the show was is that they call him D D, which is really funny. Oh but uh, yeah. Like Dungeons Dragons, but they mean D D as in dumb and dumber. That's what they mean. That's what some fans call him, which is a little rude. Well, yeah. The main, the I, think, I think the main problem with the last the, how the show ends is not from because they didn't have the books there. I think it's because D and D didn't let anyone else help them write it. It was just them. They wanted to write it in a in a certain way. This is how they were gonna end it. They were rushing a little bit because at the time they were given a Star Wars movie trilogy or something like that and they wanted to plan ahead there but then that got canceled so now it doesn't matter at all i've heard it got canceled because they botched the last bit of game of thrones and also i think one of them is a co-writer for x-men origins wolverine don't quote me on that but i think that's the room that's okay i have that up look look
1: in the defense of x-men origins wolverine it was no (laughs) it was written during a writer's strike that movie it was like 2007 2008 there was a a guild writer strike in hollywood i remember hearing about that
2: yeah and that movie was one of the victims of it yeah david benioff wrote one of the screenplays
1: yeah so just that's my short defense of x-men origins wolverine it
2: came out in a bad time and i think why that's a problem is not the wolverine thing we can go into we can go in Oh my god, here's an idea for an episode, the golden age before the MCU. Oh
1: we yeah, th- a, our a, childhoods, the 2000 super The real
2: MCU, the MCU that never happened and shouldn't have probably. The goofiness of the Marvel universe. I'm not going to lie, I'd still like to
1: see I would to come see... back as the Human Torch with Ben Affleck's Daredevil and
2: Oh my god. That'd be hilarious if they did that. Maybe that's in, Strange, in Doctor Strange. Who knows? They're opening up the multiverse. Hey, Ben Affleck quit as Batman. He could show up as Daredevil. Yeah, he just needs to stop hanging out with JLo lo for two seconds. Yeah. But why... It's the <laughs> it's 2000s all over out. again, isn't it? I love the 2000s. But why I think... The problem with them not letting other people help out is because they didn't have a second opinion. It was just them two. And... Yeah, yeah there's a controversial they talked about how they killed off a certain character in season five not because it suited the story well they're just like oh we really just want to kill him off but he's still alive in the books i'm pretty sure i don't and it's a it's a it's a side character but it's a it's a, like a fan favorite
1: okay that's i so mean, they off the ne- top of my head the only thing i can think of off the top of my
2: head is if they just really hated the actor or something like maybe the guy who was a jerk behind the um, scenes. Um, and... I don't know that part, and I doubt it. I probably would have heard it. Um, so they probably would have
1: just recast him if that was the problem.
2: Yeah. Oh, there's so much recasting in the show. Okay. Oh my. Okay. Be That's pre- something I didn't know about. Be prepared for that. You're going to be confused. They're and they're not. They're not main characters. Some of them are like side characters that are recasted. But it is it is jarring after when you go from season to season. Okay. They use the same actor for two different characters, believe it or not. Really? So in season two, or season three, they use... Oh, God. I don't... I, I, I... Let me look him up. So they use... He's in 1917. He's the guy... He's one of the other dudes. So they use Dean... Dean Charles Chapman. He plays two different Lannisters on the show. So in season three, he plays... The played... Lannisters
1: are the... The, the ruler like the, the bad, ruling yeah, family, like the, right?
2: The ruling family, like the bad guys. Yeah. And he plays like a distant cousin of the main Lannisters in season three. And then in season four, five, and six, he plays Tom and Baratheon, who is the son of the king from the first season. So that's really jarring, but he's an experienced actor and they wanted to use him. So it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Okay. Um, that's the only part that's really jarring is that they use the same actor.
1: Yeah, so that branches off into another question I had, I suppose, was does Game of Thrones' big cast hurt the focus of the show or make the plot lines become hard to follow? Because I've seen, I don't even know how many act, like I don't know anything about the show really, but I know that there's dozens of regular cast members and side characters right. and, well, a lot of them get killed off. I mean, having such a big cast is... Oh, is it, is it hard, like
2: are you saying, is it hard to follow?
1: Yeah, especially in season 1 before a lot of them are killed off by like you said in whatever um, plot lines is it hard to follow all these people before they're whittled down
2: I would say no The only again with every new show it's just hard to remember all the names and stuff and the locations and where everybody is but in terms of the storyline <clears throat> excuse me in terms of the storyline it's It's written in such a way, and each storyline is given a good chunk of time, each episode, whenever they're in it, for you to understand where this character is. For instance, Arya Stark, she has a completely different storyline than everybody else in the show. She's, like, on the other continent at one point. And And she's given enough time where you understand what's going on. So, there is a lot of times where, and it was easier to watch when it was Aaron because they did a Previously on Game of Thrones, like they always do that, but they don't do it on they don't do it on streaming. They used to do, but they don't. They did on Netflix a bunch. I know on Netflix.
1: Netflix seems to have a system where, if you actually waited like a day before watching the next episode, they do the previews. But if you're just binge watching, they just skip past the first minute. Interesting.
2: That's them looking at your data, folks. If you don't believe me, but no, I wouldn't say it's confusing at all. I think it's written in such a smart way. And each character is given enough time in their own storylines that you can follow along. There is a point where a main character just doesn't show up in Season 5. It's just not there. And then it's all of a sudden there in Season 6.
1: My friend told me something about Season 5. For some reasons. My friend told me Season 5. I don't remember exactly what he said about it, but he said something about a boat. And just as soon as it gets to like somebody on a boat it's just so boring someone on a boat it may have been Tyrion
2: I think I don't know some... yeah
1: he's like one of I, the only characters yeah. I've heard
2: of season 5 is season 5 has the problem where it's kind of like a mid it's like the middle of the road kind of thing where like major things happen in season 3 and then season 4 is a recovery f- from that season 4 is fantastic though But season five is trying to. It's like okay, where do we go from here now? And it's kind of that like you kind of understand why it's a bit slow at some parts, but it's not as big of a spectacle as you expected it to be. So I can understand that. But to answer your question from before, no, I think each storyline is given, no matter how good or bad each storyline is, they're given enough time each to, in order to. uh, each time, respectively, for each character. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Sometimes more than you want. <laughs> Depending on who you like and who you don't like. Just say for the record, who, who don't you like? You don't have to talk about their stories, you don't have to go into why, but just- Bran! And everybody who knows the show knows why Bran Stark sucks by the end. Anyway, I'm not gonna go into it. Okay. Because I can't go into it if you. If I did, it would ruin the show. And I'm trying to sell you on the show. True. I have nothing against the actor. I have everything against that's written about him. So now a couple of (coughs) joke questions.
1: Just from the few things I know about Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Number one. Why does Jon Snow know nothing?
2: (laughs) Because he's never been with the woman, Joe. Okay. So he meets a woman beyond the wall. And beyond the wall, she flirts with him. And that is the saying that she says when he tries to outsmart her. And she goes, you know nothing, Jon Snow. And that's her little meet cute with him. And they have a cute little storyline. And just so you know, those two actors, Kit Harington and Rose Leslie, are married in real life. That's nice. Isn't that sweet? And I think they have a child together. It's really cute. They were a cute couple on the show. So is that like really early in the show then? That's like season two. Okay.
1: And my second kind of joke question, what the heck is winter and why is it
2: coming? Is it a metaphor or are they just scared of the cold? Oh, this is a great question. So winter is, so the seasons of the show, like winter, summer, spring, autumn, work. Okay. Va- so it's like Avatar The Last Airbender sort kind, of, thing, like kind of breaking it up worked, the chapters. It works vastly different than our regular world. When we start off in season one, summer has lasted for nine years. Okay. The longest recorded summer in history. And winter basically is, it's just, there's not really a spring or a fall from the show that I, that I can remember, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: but basically what winter is for some people, it just means the entire continent is going to be in snow. You're not going to be able to grow any crops. So there's a lot there's a few talks of people talking about oh we have enough provisions to last us five years. After that, some of the poor will starve or whatever. So basically what winter is for some people is just them talking about we need to get prepared for winter so we all don't starve to death because the entire not just part of the continent is gonna get snowed, the whole continent. That sounds like a really cool premise, actually. But with what the real Reason what winter is and winter is coming is the saying for House Stark, which is the main house, the one you cheer for, Mm -hmm. means the White Walkers are coming, which are basically ice zombies who want to kill everything. That is why the ice wall is built, it's like 700 feet high, is to keep the White Walkers out. They are from the beginning of the universe. The Children of the Forest and the First Men fought these, fought the White Walkers to keep them from destroying everything. We don't know what the motives are of them except that they just want to kill. And there's the Night King. And basically what he does, whoever he kills on the field, he can bring back from the dead and put into his army. And throughout the whole show, the, one of the main characters, Jon Snow, Slowly works his way up into seeing the Night King more as a threat and trying to prepare for him. And that's one of the main battles that happens in the last season: is the living versus the dead, because winter is not only in terms of the season, but also means death, and that is what winter is.
0: Sounds really cool. Pretty original too, I think. Well, well, like the
1: specific I've seen. Armies attacking places before mystical things. Like, even something like Suicide Squad did it. Zombie army with Trentress and whatnot. But, I mean, I hope it's better than because
2: that. It's been, I can't believe you just compared Game of Thrones to Suicide Squad 2016. How dare you? <laughs> oh, how dare I? Is that how what dare we've come... I don't care if they're both zombies. How dare you? <laughs>
1: I don't know. (sighs) What do I know?
0: I'm like Jon Snow. That's true. I should have just worn something like a hat that's like me and Jon Snow both
1: know nothing about Game of Thrones. Okay, so how about, I, I didn't have this one written down, but what is the Game of Thrones? Why, is it just the politics for the different houses? Is it and why is it the title? If these White Walkers so the, and Winner's coming is the grand threat of everything, so why? What's so the significance?
2: The, Game of Thrones is basically who is running the Seven Kingdoms. There's a whole storyline that happens before the show starts, and then there's a whole storyline that happens. There's Robert's Rebellion, where Robert Baratheon overthrew the Mad King. It was a Targaryen. Because he, he captured his wife. He burned Ned Stark's father and brother alive. And the Game of Thrones is basically... It's mostly political. It's strategical. And it's basically who is running the Seven Kingdoms at that point. There's maybe five, four, six kings. Or six rulers that happen throughout the show. And each strategy... Or each move that every person makes is either for or against the Game of Thrones. There's a great line between, or a great dialogue between Cersei Lannister and Ned Stark in the first season, where Cersei Lannister says, You either play the Game of Thrones or you die. There is no middle ground. I've heard that quote. And it's Lena Headley and Sean Bean. And again, it's two amazing actors just combat. There's. There's also something about this show where it's not just people fighting with violence or fists, it's them fighting with dialogue. And to me, that it's way better than some of the action that's in the show. And that's what basically the Game of Thrones is, is just the political game not only to become the ruler of the Seven Kingdoms, but also to keep it. Each move you do has to be in order to play the game well, and it's basically a way for you to survive. And not only does the king has to do it, the queen has to do it, the people trying to fight the kings and queens have to do it, the hand of the king, which is the second right-hand man that Tywin Lannister, Peter Dinklage, plays, he even says, I love playing the game. I think I play it well.
1: Okay, so I'm probably going to regret asking this, and you don't have to answer if it's going to be major spoilers. Mm -hmm. But does the game of thrones, you did say there's six, seven rulers by the end of the you know in eight seasons. So does the game pretty much always end in in the current leader's death or is it exile or is it nearly like an election sort of thing where they're they're just dethroned, somebody are there different are there different different... ways for new houses to take over? Or is it pretty much always violent coup in the end? Or Mm -hmm. my
2: Well, the thing is, when I say different leaders, I mean different leaders in, like, the same house, almost. And there's different houses trying to overthrow the... The current leader. The, let's say the Lannisters. That's what they are. They're trying to overthrow the Lannisters. Okay. That's the Game of Thrones. It's... I see. It's, it's military strategy, but it's also political strategy. It's who do you ally with. It's who's...
1: So there's one main house in control of the kingdoms, and yes. then all the,
2: all the other houses
1: pretty much the whole show are trying to break in to to take
2: out this one house and replace it with there's also in the first four seasons the main like the top guy in the Lannister house is Tywin Lannister who is played by Charles Dance he is amazing you love to hate this character he's like he plays the smug rich guy who puts a lot on his children To do better because he just has this idea that his house is the greatest, the richest, and you love to see him just twist, push everybody's buttons. And he was one of my favorite characters, even though he's probably the most hateful character on there. I just, I loved him. So if you love watching villains as much as your heroes, you will love Tywin Lannister.
1: Okay, well, that also gives me another question is how are the antagonists on this show because you only root for your heroes as much as you root for the bad guys and you seem to well as much as you I mean as much as you only root for your heroes as much as you hate the bad guys I mean right but you seem to like this one villain and the white walker seem like a cool premise i don't know how they pulled that off but just how are the antagonists and the threats in this show do they do they measure up are they compelling in their own right
2: for the most i part? would i would say the The build-up for the White Walkers is done very well. Because it's just this overwhelming threat of... They're basically the embodiment of death. They're just saying, yeah, this is certain. This is going to happen. So you better be ready for it. And with the living antagonists, I would say most of them are done very well. Like, the Lannisters are done very well. Charles Dance, who plays Tywin Lannister. The dad, who is the, the top dog, I said. He's written very well. Cersei Lannister, who Lena Headley is the queen to the king in the first season, and she's she always has a glass of wine in her hand, and the way she acts, she she's more, she's the best political strategist besides her father in the show, and you love to hate her. Just there's even a Jimmy Kimmel uh, interview where she talks to him about a fan coming up to her and go. Hey, are you that bitch off Game of Thrones? And she's like, it's kind of a compliment. That's cool. And I like people who embrace their role as the bad guys. There's even some antagonists in the show that just go at each other. Like, there's this one character who I can't really tell if he's a protagonist or an antagonist, but his name's Stannis Baratheon. He was the brother to the king. And he's trying to retake the throne because stuff happens illegitimate children are born or whatever, and he thinks he has a right to it. And he kind of fights the Lannister he fights, sorry, not kind of. He fights the Lannisters at the end of season two. and you don't really know who to root for, but you are fine with either outcome because they're written in such a great way, where the only people who are really protagonists are the Stark family. Everyone else is kind of antagonist and i keep quoting people from the show just off the top of my head because i've just been watching it stannis says at one point to his right hand mancer davos he says you can't ignore the bad the good from the bad nor the bad the good you're just who you are mm-hmm. um so i would say i personally watched the show because of the antagonist because they add so much drama to the show, especially Charles Dance. He's just a, one of the greatest television villains of all time, in my opinion.
0: I, I just think he's written,
2: he's written so well. He's acted brilliantly. Just his. I, I don't think he won any awards for it, Sally, because I think other people in the show won awards for their performance, but he deserves all the praise. He was one of my favorites. And there's one protagonist in the Lannister family who is Peter Dinklage, and he's played very well. Jamie Lannister, who is the brother of the Queen, he starts off as an antagonist and slowly becomes a protagonist. And seeing his storyline throughout the whole show is done brilliantly. It's, it's smooth, you understand. The events that happen to him changes his whole character. There's lines that he says in season seven or eight he goes i'm not that person anymore because he's very cocky at the beginning he's the pretty boy he's the they call him the king slayer because he killed the mad king he stabbed him in the back when the mad king was going to burn everybody to the ground but no one knew that except him so he just has to live with this guilt that he broke the oath so he became cocky but later on throughout the seasons he becomes more vulnerable um he professes that the reason why he killed the Mad King was to save everybody, but no one knew. And it just changes the way you see him. Like, you hate him for, at the first two seasons. I hated him. And then, as you go on, he became one of my favorites. Hmm. That sounds pretty cool. Again, it's the Thanksgiving dinner all over again. If you, The turkey is the best part. Right? Who cares if the pumpkin pie is a little rotten at the end?
1: Good transition again, because I guess that brings us to our final question, the big one. Does the ending actually ruin the whole show? Do I want to invest my time only for all of it to be wasted in the end? Because I've heard that the whole show pretty much builds up to one big thing at the end and it really rubbed people the wrong way. And if the whole show is building, it's like I basically heard it as pretty much the equivalent of his every marvel movie built up to infinity war and endgame and then infinity war and endgame sucked <laughs> oh my god thanos wins twice
2: oh my god so how do i do this <laughs> how do i do this without spoiling it here's the thing me personally i only had two main problems with the final season. The first one is obvious with who they choose who becomes the king at the very end, which I won't go into. Yep. And the second one, it's a broader it's a broader wow, it's a broader um way of saying things, but the main problem with it is not what happened, it's how it happened. It's the execution of everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only that's what rubbed people the wrong way is they thought the writing was in terms of seasons before just written so lazily and really rushed, but you still see the main events happen like you still see the Lawn night, which is what happens when the dead and the living fight each other, and it's it's still done very well in terms of battle. It's an hour and a half long episode. They shot it for ninety days for a tv show that is insane to do at the time that's ridiculous Um,
1: it's ridiculous for a tv show yeah and
2: they took a year off between season seven season eight to finish this last season which is why everybody was so hyped for it and when the stuff happened they were kind of they were very disappointed there's the bad so the hype might you say is part of the problem i would say the hype was part of the problem however there is some merit to it where there's is some a little bit of lazy writing with the execution of things where they're not really explained too well as they should be like they're explained but not explained as well as on like a game of thrones type level like say you go to a three-star restaurant and you order a wagyu steak because that's the top tier right but they bring you like a steak from montana's which is still good but that's not what you ordered and what you expect. That's okay. basically what the final season is. It's possible d- but it's not. It's passable, but it's you're. Not what you... It's not what you expected to want. And by the end of the show, you do kind of feel like you want more. Like there should have been more. And that's why I feel like people should watch it. Is that you have this expectation of fuck? There should be more. Why? Why don't I have more? And that's probably why I will read the last two books, even though I don't read at all. I feel like just because the ending is so disappointing to so many people, you should not ignore the first six, or for some people, four seasons of the show. Because to me, that is peak level television, in terms of dialogue, in terms of storylines, characters, acting. I still think they're the most winningest television drama at the Emmys. So, just because the ending, and I feel like this has the Sopranos effect where 10 years or so from now, people might look back and go, it wasn't that bad. Because the Sopranos finale, people were very disappointed with that.
1: I watched it knowing what was happening and I was still disappointed with it.
2: Yeah. So maybe there's that. Like, seriously?
1: Oh, man.
2: It is a little disappointing, but I, again, I the only reason that I would say it's worth your time is those first few seasons. Or even like most of the show, because you still love these characters, you love the action and it might be tough for you because you're not that big of a fantasy person, but for every fantasy fan out there, they should watch this show. Just because of the, like, I I can't stress enough how good the dialogue is. It's so good.
1: It's like I was saying at the start. I'm willing to watch just about anything if if it's good. Fantasy's not my genre, but I'm not anti-fantasy.
2: I'm just Mm -hmm. fantasy hesitant. But yeah, I would say it's worth your time. Just so by the end of it, you can get as mad as me. And then you can still have that feeling of wanting more and join a a community of everyone who does not like the end of the show. I've tried defending it before. My mom loves it. She made, she made the point once at dinner where she said, well, I said, it's just shocking for being the sake of shocking is, and she's like, yeah, but isn't that what's good? I'm like, mom, (laughs) no, you can't just be shocking for no reason you
1: sent me to film school let me send me to film
2: school you should know that i'm gonna gonna argue against this i still love her some reason (laughs) okay oh god but um yeah i i still personally i still say it's worth your time because most of the show is topped here it's like saying oh should i even watch star wars because the sequel trilogy is bad of course you should there's so much good that happens in star wars because of the original trilogy even the prequel trilogy maybe skip attack the clones i will defend it all you want
1: to do a defending the sequels i i want to do that but i also want to do defending the prequels too because i feel like they
2: still get as a bad enough rap. joy defending jar jar i will <laughs> i will do my best uh, oh, it's like that. It's like even with Lord of the Rings, where people didn't want to watch The Hobbit because it wasn't as good. But does it still, is it still hurtful towards Lord of the Rings? I don't think so. I, I think you, c- I think you can still separate the two. I think you can, you can clearly separate the first few seasons of Game of Thrones with the last one, and it's still in defense of season eight. The actors do their best with what they're given. They are still acting their hardest. There's not one person who drops the ball in terms of acting with the last season. So there's there's a plus side to it.
1: Now the only thing I'll say about your analogies here is that when it comes to the prequels or the sequels or Star Wars or the Hobbit or anything. If you hate the prequels and the sequels of Star Wars, they're still the original trilogy. Yeah. If you hate The hobbit there's still the original trilogy game of thrones is just one show with a continuing story it's like saying if the game of thrones prequel sucks i'll still have game of thrones but do you really because that story didn't end
2: in the best way well you if the end of game of thrones sucks you still have the books that might come out (laughs) does that help does that help it a little bit well see that that's the thing though you know that
1: may convince me more to read the books because if the books have a better ending, i would say
2: yeah if you're a big book reader i would say read the books instead but if the books have a better
1: ending than the show it's like well maybe i should just read a song of ice and fire instead of watch game of thrones the
2: show if you're a film nerd which we are yeah and you love watching actors act and great dialogue most of it witty but just smart there's great scenes between the spider and Littlefinger where they're not physical in any way, but the wor- they're just battling with words. That's the best I can describe it. And it's just so well done. Maybe what I should be hoping
1: for is something like watch Game of Thrones up until the books ended and then wait for George R.R. R. Martin to release his books and hope to God the cast comes back for audiobook reads. Just as like
2: a you know a happy medium, I
1: get the good parts of the if show. If you watch,
2: if you watch some of acting it, acting too. If you watch some of it, my job is done. I don't. I'm not here for that, to have you watch all the show. I'm not those people. But if you watch the good parts, I won't be mad. And if you want to continue after that, like I did, I even told you I was like I might stop after season four, but I just kept going because I was just invested with the characters. So, so I want to get to my verdict I could, now.
1: I what i've written
2: yeah i will say though i could go off on a whole i might even do a video essay about this of why execution is so important in terms of wrapping up a story and why you need to take time in doing that that's the main problem of season eight if you can get by that which is really tough to do if you can get by the fact that the execution wasn't done very well then you can find some enjoyment. And the first two episodes of season eight are still really good. There's great character moments in it and a bit of drama.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess Ryan explains Game of Thrones to somebody who's never seen Game of Thrones. Could he convince me? Now's the verdict.
2: Please, drum roll.
1: Okay, so I'm going to do a bit of a spiel. It's not going to be eloquent. I was just writing down notes from what he was saying. So what I liked about what you said, the acting. You seem to be very happy about the actors. These seem to be, you were talking about all-time great performances, iconic characters, and like you were saying, even even at the end, you were saying, even when it gets really bad, it's the actors who pull the show together, keep it, keep it from
0: going off the deep end So the acting
1: that really appeals. I want to see great performers who are experts in their craft. I like the appeal just for that. I also like the idea of some of the characters starting from children to adults. I like seeing real-time progression like that. That appeals as well.
0: I love that you said there's
1: a lot of the fighting is done with dialogue because I'm an amateur screenwriter and I You know, I appreciate a good action scene. I like well-directed action and production value and everything. But great actors delivering great dialogue is at the core to me of most good stories. And that strongly appeals. And as you were saying, the show seems to be on the right side of subversions of expectations for the most part. The shocks are actually worth your time good foreshadowing even seasons in advance sometimes and it's pretty much always for a reason and there's consequence it's not let's just do the shocking thing because most of the time and there is gratuitous stuff you said but mostly in the first few seasons but it gets better okay i can keep that in mind i like the idea of winter and and the white walkers and just the bad guys in general the antagonists sound. Strong, like they give a good challenge. The lore seems pretty cool too. The most appealing thing about this to me is the political aspect about the Game of Thrones itself, about these houses navigating for control. That is extremely appealing to me. And I also really liked when you mentioned pretty early on that
0: a good, I mean, maybe this isn't like a great point
1: necessarily for most people, but just the idea of being angry collectively as a society. (laughs) Don't we want things that we can all
2: agree on? For once, especially nowadays, we all have to agree on something. Or if even you're just, just to stay in the loop, just to know what
1: everybody's angry about and maybe even be angry. I can form new relationships with people about our mutual dislike of Game of Thrones season eight or our mutual love of the early stuff. So that sounds good too. And I also like that even though the ending the ending didn't seem to stick the landing that it leaves you wanting more. And I'd rather be left wanting a little bit more than starting the very The home stretch of the show thinking, oh man, I wish this ended three seasons ago. Mm. And that's good. It keeps you, even if it's not the best executed, it keeps you curious right till the very end. And that's hard to do for most shows. Sometimes even if you're finishing a show, you're just you're running on fumes at this point. You just stick with it out of loyalty more than actually caring. So that's good. And I think it all comes back to your original metaphor about. Enjoy the Thanksgiving dinner. Knowing the dessert fell on the floor and your aunt scraped it off back onto the plate. Didn't tell anybody, but I saw. So I know dessert's going to be trash in advance, but that's not going to stop me from enjoying the good parts of Thanksgiving dinner.
2: It's all about the turkey. Nobody, no one wants pumpkin pie. (laughs) It's all about the turkey.
1: And, you know... Hey, maybe if we're lucky, I saw the pumpkin pie fall on the floor. But maybe maybe my mom brought apple pie later and I can get apple pie later after the pumpkin pie (laughs) sucks. If I'm lucky, I don't know the apple pie is there. I don't know if it's coming, but we don't know when it's coming. We don't know when the apple pie is coming, but it might exist. It might come out someday. And so in the end, I think. It is touch and go. I'm still on the fence about it, but I think I will give it a shot. I, I will oh! give Game of Thrones a try. I might.
2: Put a W in the win column, baby. Play the Game of Thrones theme in the edit. I don't care if you get copyright and strike.
1: da 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 And that's all I'll do so I don't get striked.
2: That's a Rocky theme. I feel like a winner. I convinced someone. To watch the show that has the most disappointing <laughs> ending in the TV film industry. Will I finish it? I don't know. That wasn't my goal. My goal is for you to watch it. But I'm willing to
0: start at season one knowing it's
1: not perfect yes. in season one. It gets better. It seems like the good is worth starting it for just to see. Even if the ending is bad. I know it's bad in advance and that that ought to be able to help it go down a little bit easier, even if I don't get that far. But I'm not I'm not really a quitter when it comes to shows. If I get four or five seasons in, I'm probably Mm going to finish
2: it. I'm not a quitter either, unless it's Walking Dead.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's a little bit different when you're watching shows in real time because Mm. Game of Thrones season one to eight is out. I'll probably just keep going after a certain point. But if I had to watch those eight seasons in real time, I might be a little more likely to check out eventually. Yeah. If I wasn't feeling it week to week.
2: Walking Dead's still going, eh? Yeah. Lord. None of the protagonists are even on anymore. Just end it. And Negan's a good guy now? What the fuck? I saw a clip. They're all hanging out. Maybe you should explain
1: Walking Dead to me another time, because I've never seen a single episode of that show either. I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. I don't like the show. (laughs) I'm not a zombie guy. Either I'm not I'm not not huge on fantasy, and I'm not a zombie guy. Zombie zombie things are boring now. Let's be honest. I feel like zombie things have always been boring. Unless it's in Game of Thrones
2: and they're ice zombies, that's completely different. Completely different than suicide. Completely different zombies. Apparently, there's no king zombie in Walking Dead that I know of. There isn't. The show's been going on for over ten years. There's
1: probably a king zombie. There might be. I don't know. Could be Rick. Yeah, that's the twist ending. Rick, they made a new a zombie. Rick!
2: Carl! Daryl's? As, as Daryl's on that show, I think it's gonna be successful. Probably. He's the one all the, all the girls fawn over.
0: Is
1: he the one with the crossbow? Yes. Is that his shtick? Yes. Yeah, I feel like that's another one with kind of Game of Thrones syndrome, just killing off people left and
2: right, and you never know who's going to survive. And Yeah, that, they were kind of competing against each other because they came out around the same time. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so do we have any more to say on this, or should we wrap no, up I, this discussion?
2: I think I won, so that's all I gotta say. I think I've convinced you to watch some of it, and that's a win in my book. I think we should do a follow-up episode or even just a follow-up
1: thing on a later episode after I finally That'd watched it. Either started it or finished it. That could be a year from now. That could be never. I don't know. But I will start it eventually. I have a lot of shows I have to get through. And I, we will do a follow-up eventually. Sounds good. All right. So you want to plug your socials? Yeah.
2: You can find me at Ryan Walker Official on Instagram and on TikTok. All right. You can find me on Instagram at Thoughtplane Media and our Facebook page of the same name.
1: And you can find further film discussion and entertainment reviews on thoughtplane.ca forward slash articles. And if you'd be so kind, you can support Thoughtplane Media on Patreon, link down below. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews, as that's a big help. And how about linking that, clicking that like button if you enjoy this? We hope to see you on the next close up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. <laughs>
2: Uh, Copyright strike (laughs) (laughs) See ya